The formation of the Shyish Nadir heralds the doom of mortal kind. Cities burn, armies are destroyed, and the living huddle in terror before the relentless march of ivory legions. Now is the hour for death to rise and claim its due. The arrogant kingdoms of man, Dwarden, and Elf shall all submit to the will of Nagashazar, or be obliterated down to the last soul, for none can stand before the might of the Asiarch Bone Reapers, the elite champions of Nagash, and the military genius of their liege lord, Orphean Catacros, Mortark of the Necropolis. It will begin in the eight points. For too long has this island realm been allowed to fester and spoil under the gaze of the dark gods. For too long has the tyrant Archeon the Everchosen claimed dominion over that which by rights must belong to the god of undeath. When the eight points is taken, the war between life and death shall be decided once and for all. The legions of Nagash will pour through the great arcways that connect this island continent to the farthest corners of the mortal realms. Nowhere will be beyond the reach of the great necromancer. But first, the Varenspire must fall. The Citadel of Ruin, greatest stronghold of chaos in all the realms, must be conquered by the armies of death, its towers brought crumbling down and its defenders put to the sword. Such a task would be beyond the mightiest mortal armies, for the Eight Points is home to heathen hordes and twisted monstrosities beyond counting, and the very land itself feasts upon intruders. Yet for Catacross the Undefeated, there's no foe that cannot be routed, no challenge that cannot be overcome by the iron fist of his Ossiarchs. Chaos and death shall meet in apocalyptic battle to decide the fate of the Eight Points. Welcome to the garage, you tools. For the next two hours or thereabouts, we'll do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way, bringing you the wrath of the ever-chosen. I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm David Witek. And oh, boy, oh, boy. Man, I'm annoyed that I didn't read this earlier. <laughs> you know, I just, I never got to, I, 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 I thought I read it, and then I sat down to take notes. I'm like, I didn't read this. And I'm really annoyed because I would have been much, Marathi would have been a much more in, enjoyable book. Not that I didn't enjoy it. But it would have been much more enjoyable had I read this first, I think. Yeah, I mean, granted, Catacross and the Bone Reapers and everything else plays like a small part in her grand scheme, but it's still putting a little extra groundwork. Oh, right. Well, a lot. I mean, there's a lot that's going on there. I mean, she's invading and it's already been invaded and nonsense has occurred. So, uh, well, you know, what? before we talk about that, let's 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 get the jobs done. Right. Should we talk to uh, thank our sponsors and our patrons and all that? Yeah, absolutely. So, as, as always, we need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. That was good. I deserve- Six Squared Studios. That Six was Squared really Stu- good. It was, wasn't it? Good. Six Squared Studios for all your basing and MDF needs. <laughs> and other things i get so many cool things i got the bases without the edges so that i could put on my guys the magnetized so they're touching oh, oh so good so good and grognard games in roselle there's Illinois. always something happening at grog ah, it, 
get these wires out of the way. You move one wire and it gets underneath the part of the bell and you don't get any sustain. And a bell without sustain is like a bowling ball without a liquid center. It's just not complete. Hold on. There's always something happening at Grognards. There we go. Wait, so you're telling me that a bowling ball is a gusher that you can't eat? You could if you had a strong enough jaw. And technically, that would make it a ravioli, I suppose. But wouldn't it make it a jawbreaker then? Well, in its current state, yeah. But jawbreakers are technically, if there's something on the inside, they're raviolis Mm -hmm. as well. My son and I had this long discussion. I think we talked about it on the air before. Everything can be reduced to a ravioli or an open-faced sandwich. That can of soda you're holding next to you is technically, if, you un- if it's unopened, a ravioli if you're willing to eat the can. And if you're unwilling, the can is just leftovers and you just ate the filling of the ravioli. See what I'm getting at here? It's brilliant. Actually, I know it's, it's the dumbest thing ever. legal in Illinois, but it's only been legal for so long. Yeah, Legal schmeagle, man. I know what I'm doing. All right. Listen. Uh, we should also thank the Patreon sponsors uh, here, um, the people who are the almost 1% who make this show and everything we do on it possible. That includes our associate producers, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, AJC, Opie, and Big Jake. Our executive producers, Colin Miller and Alex Graham, and our newest patron, Jimmy Rowland and Dylan Foley, which actually, Jimmy Rowland upgraded. He bumped up. Thank you, Jimmy. And Dylan Foley was a patron, and then he doesn't, and now he is again, because that's how things happen. And he said we didn't have to thank him, but seriously, why wouldn't I? Like, really, you're, you're, you're helping out the show. I, I could, if I could name every patron every episode, I would. Like, but it's... And it's not that many names, but for goodness sake, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But thank each and every one of all y'all peoples who have become patrons uh, for making this show and everything that we do on it possible. Because that's that's uh, that's amazing. It really is. Um, I think. Uh, oh wait, uh, voicemail. Do we have voicemail? I'm looking to see if we have voicemail. Do we voicemail. have voicemail, Dave? We might. I'm looking to see if we have voicemail. I th- I didn't think we got any new voicemail. If I... Great googly moogly. I, sometimes I want to take my phone and smash it. Oh, we do have a couple of voicemails. So we have two voicemails. And uh, uh, I'm going to play the first one right now. This is Dylan from Boston. I don't know if it's the Dylan that we just mentioned. Um, cause it just says Dylan, but here we go. First message, Dylan. Hey, this is Dylan from Boston. And I just wanted to say that I really, really appreciate the show. Um, I, I first started listening about three or four years ago and became a Patreon and kind of, uh, moved over to 40 K since then, but actually came back, uh, this month and have just really loved the, the consistency you guys have with, covering the narrative side of, of AOS, and it has really made me just appreciate how much there is, um, and I, I just really love the, um, the overall feel of it, and on top of that, the recent Luminous Realm Lords kind of, uh, I don't know what, what was it called, but uh, when you're, where you had your son on there um, talking about um, Luminous was just great, so yeah, uh, love, love the show, 
and appreciate all you guys do. Thanks. Bye. Okay, that totally was Dylan Foley. <laughs> so thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Dylan, and uh, I'm glad you're enjoying it. And, uh, yeah, that was actually the Lumineth Realm Lords lore. That was just me and Harrison. Um, that was a fun episode. But it's, it's, it, yeah, it's more fun actually sitting with him and talking with him, honestly, because watching the expression on his face when he gets all excited about it is really pretty cool. Um, all right. Uh, this is the next message is from Brian Wilson from Florence, Kentucky. This one's a little bit longer, and it's a couple of questions about some of the side games. So before we jump into Wrath, uh, Alex, you could probably actually speak to this a little easier than I can because I don't play most of them. Um, although several friends, of course, after I sold all my Blood Bowl stuff, several friends have been like, hey, we should play Blood Bowl. And I'm like, well, thanks a lot. It's been sitting here unplayed for three years. I sell it. Now everybody wants to play. Um, but here, here's a message from Brian Wilson. Hey, this is Brian Wilson from Florence, Kentucky. Uh, <clears throat> how you doing, Dave? Alex, love the show. Thought I'd call in and drop you guys a quick line. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but it seems like Underworlds and the sideline games, uh, they kind of seem to be a preview of stuff to come. Because uh, you look at Diochasm, and they have the Slanesh force in there, and now they've, they've released pictures of the new Slanesh models, and each person from the Underworlds crew is a model of a new unit for Slanesh. Based on that, I look at the Luminous Realm Lords, which I now collect, thanks Dave, you're the big inspiration for me choosing that army. Um, <laughs> and uh, I look at the the model with the giant sword, and it's very reminiscent of the sword masters of Hoist, or Hoist, or however you say it. So I'm uh, really excited to see the sword masters kit coming out soon, which I'm really hoping I'm right on, because that'll be awesome addition to the army. I'm assuming that's going to be Tyrion, is going to be in the next big release for for them. So Tyrion and the sword masters and whoever else knows, you know, what other is coming out. I don't know. I'm rambling. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, All right. Thank you very much for the call. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they do seem to be. Although I was talking with Rotor just the other day, and they released, uh, when the Beast Grave, they had all those cool uh, wood elf-looking centaur elves, and those came to nothing. The They're, Karnathi? Yeah. And the only other Kurnoth stuff are the are the tree dudes, and I'm just like, what is happening? Why are they like? I don't know. I'm just I'm disappointed that we didn't get some wood elf action going in. I mean, that came out a while ago, and I was just I I really thought we were going to see some something cool and new, either for the Sylvaneth or for the Wanderers. But that was the only one that I think didn't do that. Okay. Well, you also have to consider how long did we have to wait between like Slaves to Darkness and the Blood or the Godsworn Hunt uh, from Underworld's Nightfall season. That was the, like, mortal followers of no particular chaos god. Right. Um, we had to wait a long time between those. And they just previewed the Seraphon uh, Warband. And we've had a new Seraphon book for a while now. So I think the big thing is they just want to make sure that all the parties are represented 
um, in their side games. So this way, like everyone's got a hook and the opportunity to find something to latch on to. But I mean, like, yeah, we are in dire chasm right now with Underworlds and we still haven't seen the like a Karnathi release for uh, Age of Sigmar or anything else beyond those five token models. So, yeah, we'll have to see. But the rest of it, yeah, I did see that. Um, um, I like that sword. And we've also, okay. on that same line, we've also not seen anything come from Ripa's Snarl Fangs, which is the, the three uh, grots on wolves. And that's a darn shame, because those are a couple of models that are nice, but could definitely use an update. And I always love cool goblin stuff. Not as much as you. You're like Joey Goblin Face, but... Um, you know what I mean? Like it's it's it, there's cool stuff, but I am excited about yeah, that. And it's glad so, to hear people liking the Lumineth Realm Lords. They're so broken um, and stupid. <laughs> but that's all we're gonna say about it because this is not there's nothing not to do with them. This episode, no. nothing to do with them. This episode. Let's move on. Nobody cares. Um, all right. So listen, that was the voicemail. Now, if you. The listener, not you, Alex, although you, Alex, could also choose to leave a voicemail. Now, if someone wanted to leave a voicemail, if they're like, oh, my God, that was so awesome. I might have a chance to be on my favorite podcast, Garage Hammer. I, how do I do this? And then it's like, this is what you do. Now, listen, listen, listen. Take your phone and dial 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. If you call that number, some international callers dial 00, and then 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. You call that, and then you, too, can leave a voicemail, and we'll listen to it, and then we play them on the air, most of them, unless they're telling me, calling me names. Um, and then and then we play them, and then we talk about them, and then that, that's... You could have just been the person we were talking about just now, but you weren't because you didn't leave a voicemail. So do so. Not now. Listen to the rest of the show. And then when you're done, dial one. Well, you could pause. Or you could pause. You could pause. I mean, I- I'm not telling you how to live your life, man. I'm just telling you <laughs> if you want to leave a voicemail, that's how to do it. All right, Alex. Uh any Dave. any quick before we hit our first break? Any quick, quick first impressions of Wrath of the Ever Chosen? It's a bit more uh, to pardon to borrow, to borrow the phrase. It's a bit more hammer porn than some of the other narrative books that they've come out with, um, which is by no means it's a bad thing. I think it was just a change of pace from what I was used to. And having read Marathi first, which, while had a lot of fighting, it wasn't as much, like, just constant fighting. Uh, this one is pretty much constant fighting, like, all the way through. So, I don't know. I, I like the fighting, fun, but there's, it's, read. it's um, definitely some pendulum swinging stuff. It's kind of like watching the third episode of the Lord of the Rings movies. It's like watching Return of the King. Oh, look, the good guys got the upper hand. Oh, no, now there's more bad guys coming. Now they're dead. Oh, look, wait, there's more good guys coming. Oh, wait, now there's more bad guys coming. It just seems like every time the fight sings, you know, oh, now you've had it. No, 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 there's reinforcements coming. But wait, there's reinforcements coming. That's kind of how it went. 
Yeah, but there I was definitely it. a lot of that. And it was kind of interesting because there is no good guy, quote unquote, in this scenario. Um, because you can't argue that Nagash is a good guy um, by any stretch of the imagination. You can't argue that Archeon and the rest of his crew are good guys by any stretch of the imagination. But this is one of those where you're taking both sides that are considered antagonists and making them into the main subject matter. And I like I think the best thing to compare it to is like if you have a heel versus a heel in wrestling with like some sort of like great story between the two of them. Like you don't really like either of them, but it's still a good story. All right, this bad, this bad guy's got. I mean, let, let's. I mean, they're they're fighting over the eight peaks. Arcan's got the eight peaks. It's a super. It, it is it is the prime place of real estate. Um, for anyone eight points. The, what did I call it? The eight, eight Wait, peaks. Those things are oh, not the eight peaks. Karak eight peaks. See, that's the Dwarden in me, baby. The, the eight points, and so now it's it, you know, Nagash is just making a push for the eight, eight points, um, and if he takes it over, then it's going to be a. I mean, if he takes it over, I mean, the book hints that it'll be a huge. It'll be the. That'll be it. He'll like. He'll. He'll. That's his. He'll win. Um, or at least he'll he'll have a much better chance at winning. But he's got to pry it from Archeon. Good luck. All right, so um, we're going to come back. And when we come back, I'm going to discuss really quick. Um, we're covering this book a little different. Uh, I'm trying something new this episode. Uh, and then when we do that, then we're going to cover the book. After I talk about covering the book, we're going to cover the book. Does that make sense? I think it makes sense. So let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to cover the book. Right, folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. We are back talking about how we're going to cover the coverage of a convergence in the eight points of one side trying to cover a land of darkness in a pall of darkness. Yeah. So, Dave, how are we going to cover the coverage? All right. So, covering? look. <laughs> so, um, rather than just go through every last detail, which is sort of like the Garage Hammer signature, but I, you know, it, it, it. Uh, 
I, I need I, I I need to change things up here. I need to change things up for me, guys, so that I can that I can do this. Um, so that it's a little more fun. So what I want to do is I'm going to open just talking a little bit about the theme of the book, okay? And then I've got a summary sort of written up that's going to give you the big overview of the whole book in a, just a couple of minutes. And then we can go back and start looking at details that we thought were cool, bits that interesting things that happened. Um, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> After reading this about how things work and it it sparked a lot of stuff and I figured rather than just spend 90 minutes going through every single point, especially since we already said how the point this is like this book has got these pendulum swings. Um, I just I want to cover ideas and then summarize and then hit the stuff that's really cool and get into more discussion than uh, outline. Does that make sense? I think it makes sense. Are we so sure? So we're gonna cover just to make sure we got this right. We're gonna cover like the mission statement of this book, like the overall topics, and then we're going to outline the outline, then go back through and discuss over the course of the outline, like a proper dissection of the book. Right, and we're still gonna go into the cool details and talk about all the stuff. It's just now we're not. I now we don't have to go. We're just we're not gonna do page by page. I'm just I'm tired of going page by page, unless something really sticks out that me like I gotta read this. Um, I want to kind of go this way. I think this will be more discussion friendly and it'll be more interesting in the long run. So, um. As I was going through this book, what I found, I think the, the, the theme in this book is really revenge and obsession. These are the two big themes that I see running through this book. All right. Um, we all know Nagash is obsessed with, well, everything. I mean, the, I mean, the guy plays the long game like nobody else. And you have to have a, a, an obsessive sort of personality to, to, to be like him. Uh, and he is obsessed with getting back at Archeon for vanquishing him when they met up however many hundreds or thousands or however many years ago it was. Um, you know, that that was right when, that was that was where, uh, that was when Sigmar locked himself away. It was right after that, wasn't it? It was right before that. Um, it was, yeah, yeah like that happened and then Sigmar locked himself away. After yeah. Sigmar locked the gates during the start of the Age of Chaos. Okay, and then he went after Nagash, right. Um, Nagash has decided, well, like like everything else, he needs to control the eight points just like he needs to control the mortal realms. Uh, he's going to go in there and grab a foothold at the, uh, the, the, the fortress on the... On the uh, on, on the eight points side of the gate, first he's going to take his side, but we don't cover that really in this book. They cover everything on the inside on the eight point side. Uh, he's going to go in and take that over, and then eventually take over the Varenspire, knock that down, install his own stuff, and from there he'll be able to send his deathless minions everywhere, and nobody stands a chance anymore. And that's his that's his plan. Um, Archeon is also obsessed, but that's a different type of obsession, and I want to discuss that after we hit the summary. Um, and of course, Archeon wants revenge also on basically kind of everybody. Um, 
but mostly he wants he wants revenge against Sigmar, and that goes to his background, which is always a weird story. I was going to ask you a little bit about that before we dove too deeply into this, because he does get his little page in the book. Uh, and after we do the summary, I wanted to talk about his little page in the book, because I, I, I just I'd, I'd like your take on it, Alex. Because, I mean, I've heard this since I first started playing the game. You know, he used to be a, a devotee of Sigmar and and blabble, blabble, and read something. And it, but, like, it, I, I have questions and concerns. It's it, And maybe it's just intentionally super vague, but that drives me bananas. So, um, but well, that's, that's how they've been explaining but, all these backstory is that it's just the hint, the suggestion. So, right. And so we never did get more than that, did we? We don't know that much about him. We know that not we, we formally published in a battle tome or narrative book. Right. Okay. Okay. So I'm not crazy then. All right. Um, Black Library has all the answers for Archeon. Do they? Yeah, there's two books about Archeon from the world that was um, really kind of explaining who he is. Oh, I have those um, books. I never re- I never got to read them because we were covering the big books. I never got to those. Yeah, there's the f- there's two Archeon books and we can kind of go through them because um, I certainly remember like the highlights of how he came to be and who he was originally. Oh, that's in there? So, oh, I'm going to have to read and that. And it's not for the faint of heart. Oh, okay. Well, do you know what? Then let's let's hold off. Just if you know, if you have the titles, let's let the people have the titles because da- now I want to read it. Oh goodness! All right, because yeah, that's cool. All right, so um, the summary. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about just I, I've got a I wrote down a basic summary of the book in general. Okay, uh, it goes up to about page. 48 with story stuff and that includes all the pictures and stuff but this will give you if you haven't read it this will give you a detailed enough overview that you can totally follow along okay all right at this point now remember this book came out almost a year ago this was like this was at the what height of soul wars wasn't it or was it a year ago or was it more than a year ago this came out in 2019. This came out almost a year ago. Almost a year ago. Okay. So you've got all yeah. the Soul Wars stuff With happening. A couple of months after the release of Slaves to Darkness and Ossiarch Bone Reapers. Okay. So you got your Slaves to Darkness stuff going. The Bone Reapers have been established as an army. And then this book drops. Okay. Undeath is in its ascendancy. Okay. Nagash's plan may not have turned out as he envisioned, but the creation of the Shyish Nadir has seen the power of Shyish wreaking havoc. Throughout the mortal realms, okay? After the Realm Gate Wars, uh, Archeon may no longer control all the gates at the eight points, but his power still holds sway over a majority of these, of, of a majority of the mortal realms. Like, he controls, like, he almost conquered all of the mortal realms. I mean, that's something that, that a lot of people, I don't think, pay attention to or remember. We'll come back to that, is that he had, he had almost done it. And then, boom, the Realm Gate Wars happened, okay? Um... The losses brought about by the return of the Sigmarites has kept him very busy. Uh, one of the unforeseen benefits of the perversion of Nagash, Nagash's great scheme is that the Necroquakes unveiled the Storm Vaults, and in the unveiling of the Storm Vaults, it, it uh, let it, it uh, the uh, the location of Catacross's uh, hidden prison becomes known, 
And then Nagash sends in Lady Olinder, who frees him. And now that he is free and in charge of the Bone Reapers, he is key to Nagash's plan to claim the all points for himself. And I know at the times I'm, I flipped between all points and eight points. It was originally called the all points. And then when Archeon took it over, he changed it to the eight points. Um, the eight points has been perverted and twisted by the power of chaos and is completely under Archeon's control. Uh, the Necroquate raged throughout all the realms, and the Eight Points was not <laughs> immune to this, okay? Uh, if possible, the Necroquake made the Eight Points even worse. But this was a big benefit to Nagash's plan, because as he is sending his forces through the, uh, the, the Shyish realm gate into the Eight Points, he is going to go try to take control of Karhite, which is the big fortress on the Eight Points side of the gate. Leading that leads to uh, Gothazar. Um, the first sign of trouble is all of a sudden all of these zombies start coming through the gate into the eight points from the other side, and the 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 fortress on the other side was controlled by Archaon's men in Shyish, like they had control of it. And next thing you know, you're looking and hundreds and thousands of zombie chaos worshippers come walking through the gates coming and attacking this place and yes they were able to keep them at bay but if all of those guys are dead what is over there that wiped them all out and then raised them and sent them all through that's just a great uh bit of 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 you know storytelling there as these guys are coming through meanwhile Archeon has found Slanesh and while he has no love for Slanesh and his excesses while he's gone, Archeon has one less weapon at his disposal. So he is going to get him. He's in that gloaming between the realms uh, of light and shadow on a mission to free Slanesh. While he's away doing that, that's when Nagash attempts to take control of the eight points away from him. The night hunt going first, led by Lady Olinda herself. She comes through the gate, begins destroying the defenders of Karhite. They're counterattacked. The battle goes back and forth, but the sheer number of night hunt coming through the gate, it just couldn't stop them. Um, afraid of Archeon's wrath, his servants summon any and all residents of the Eight Points to attack these undead hordes. Lady Olinder pushes forward towards the Varen Spire, is attacked by enemies on all sides, is fighting and fighting and fighting, buying as much time as she can for Catacross, who hasn't even, like, they don't, Realize he's even coming, right? Uh, at the Forest of Eyes, they fight their best, but they are forced to retreat. Um, well, some of them are fought back, and then you've got... Hold on. Oh, sorry. Um, of course, you've got the Craven King, who just is like, oh, screw this, we're losing, and he runs. Um, at this time, this is when Catacross comes through the gate and sets about transforming Carhite into a proper Ossiarch fortress. He basically tears down the Chaos Fortress and builds a Bone Reaper fortress. Uh, after that, he sets out conquering the Eight Points and starts moving toward the Varen Spire as well. Um, Archeon, meanwhile, has found Slanesh and is in the process of freeing the god, trying to break the chains. Uh, there are 66 chains. They are all of all different makes. They're all magical. Um, he is breaking through some of them, and then he is, and he knows he's got to get Slanesh done now. He's got to get him out of here, and all of a sudden he gets a vision with the third eye the, that he's got uh, that the Varenspire is is under attack. The, the his his realm that he has laid claim to is under attack. 
If he doesn't go back, he's going to lose control of it. If he does go back, it, doubtless, Teclas, Tyrion, Malarian, they all know that he's there and doing this. By the time he gets back, they will have hidden. They will have moved Slanesh to a new hidden location and re rechained him. And so, he doesn't want to leave, but he's not about to give up his own realm for Slanesh. So, he angrily leaves and grabs his troops and heads home with all possible speed. Uh, in Archeon's absence, Catacross is all but unstoppable. He goes from victory to victory, leaving nothing behind it's a scorched earth policy everything is taken all the remnants are used as raw material for more of his own forces he even destroys um uh angaskul grend which is the iron skull forge sprawl which is arcan's primary weapon forge run by the chaos dwarfs which i hope are making a comeback but that's a different uh, story for another episode uh this is when archeon returns and boy is he pissed <laughs> And the the very realm shudders and changes and erupts from his rage, which is another thing I thought was really cool. Nagash's Mortarks put up a good fight, but in the end, Bellicor takes out Lady Olinder. Uh, he doesn't kill her, but she is her essence is broken, and she is banished from the Eight Points back into the realm of Shyish. Her Nighthaunt forces, without her, begin to crumble. Catacross holds as best he can, but he goes up one-on-one -on -one against Archeon. And you know what happens when you go up one-on-one -on -one against Archeon and Dorgar while he's riding Dorgar? You lose. Uh, he gets uh, bit by Dorgar, stabbed by uh, Archeon, and dies, uh, except uh, he's got a fortress here in the Eight Points, and while he's gone, his people were not just building the fortress, but had a new body waiting for him. So he wakes up, basically his essence in his form again, um, ready to go. Um, and he's working on plans, because he knows that Archeon is not going to just let him stay here and that eventually the entire realm is going to be attacking him at this fortress, trying to force him out and destroy him. And that's basically where the story ends. Um, I, I really liked this story. I thought it was cool. Um, the Bone Reapers, you got a nice sense of what they did. You get a fantastic, and I mean fantastic sense of what Lady Olinder is supposed to be able to do. Maybe she's not that powerful on the game table, but just what she does is so neat uh, in this story. Get, getting to see them in battle, I find wonderful because they always tell you about all the cool things they can do, but it doesn't always translate into gameplay. Um, and you might not always be able to quite picture it. Uh, it's just really great. Um, you get all of that, and then you get Arkan showing up, and like he gets angry, and like blood starts to erupt from volcanoes and stuff. Like he is that one with his land, which is some of the questions I want to talk about a little bit later. Um, but that's basically the whole summary. Um, did, was there anything big that I missed, Alex? I don't think I. I mean, I, I, got, I think I got the brushstrokes pretty good for, to get a decent picture across here. Yeah, the only other thing uh, is that we see the return of Bellacor, uh, yeah. who has not really shown up since the end times. Um, really, like he's been mentioned and he got a page in the Slaves to Darkness book, but he hasn't really been a player. Well, he's um, been recovering ever, ever since game ever since Gotrek kicked his teeth in at the end times. So <laughs> you remember that part? Okay. Um, any event. 
Mm. <laughs> That's what happened. No, I'm coming, coming up short on that one. Uh, oh, you didn't anyway. read the last two books, the last two Gotrek and Felix books. That's why. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you went into the realm of chaos at the end of at the end of the, the second book. And- yeah, but he kicked Bellacor's teeth in before that. <laughs> Oh, great. Actually, he did that before, too, in one of the other books, like City of Shadows or something. Um, he, he fought Bellacor he's, uh, he's, previously. He's so. the greatest dwarf ever. And I call him a dwarf because that's what he calls himself because he doesn't put up with his dwarf nonsense, as he puts it. So before we go... Um, I don't want to jump right into a break. We've only been going about 20 minutes. But I, I, before we start getting into some of the little cool nuances and the details, Archeon versus Nagash. Are they like the two perfect enemies in this book? I mean, they, they feel to me just as polar opposite, well-suited well against each other as, as Nurgle and Zinch or as Corn and Slanesh. And I know Archeon hates Sigmar. But he's just, he feels to me, he feels to me to be, Nagash seems like more of a, almost a proper enemy nemesis for him. What do you think about that? Or do you, or do you, should I explain myself? I think no, you don't need to explain yourself because I see the comparison you're drawing. Um, the big thing to consider is like going through the Soul Wars and everything that we've been through already. Archeon is like the antithesis for everything. He just wants oblivion. That is what he wants. Whereas the motivations for Nagash and Sigmar are the same thing, but different sides of the coins, as it were. So like Sigmar obviously wants, you know, prosperity for all people can live their lives, et cetera, et cetera, and have like some free control within, within the context of order. Nagash wants everyone to be dead and it's perfect order. So. Right. Well, it's see, that difference between like lawful and chaotic well, as it were. And some of the but stuff is essentially that... the same person. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it makes more sense that, um, uh, the comparison that you're making between like Archeon and Nagash, it's just the different twist on Sigmar, as it were. Right. Well, one of the things I kept reading is how he wants to conquer all of this. And he's got worshipers who picture and he even says, I mean, he doesn't want to he doesn't want to burn it all down and destroy it. He wants to conquer it. You know, he, something I read in there I, and I don't have the, pa- the page marked and I'm, I'm pissed at myself for it. But it talks about how. Having all of the eight realms underneath Archaon's banner, you know, he would have them all claimed for the gods of chaos. He would he would conquer everything, and he would conquer it all, and all his people under his banner. And of course, he's conquering for the chaos gods. Blibble blabble, flibble flabble. But it's still he wants to subjugate everything under his banner, which is what Nagash wants to do. Nagash wants to kill everybody. Everyone becomes death. He is the god of death. They all become his subjects. And then all the realms are under his control. And this way, it feels like all the realms would be under Archeon's control. That's sort of the plan. And whether he's doing it for the Chaos Gods or for himself or for revenge, it's still going to be all under his banner. 
Uh, and this is but that isn't what he wants, though. Isn't it? Then what is it? He wants oblivion. He wants but to just. He just... is the destroyer. That is his thing. That's why he blew up the old world. That's why everything happened. This is his obsession: right. is to destroy everything. See, and this is where when you read this stuff, I don't, I don't quite, I don't quite get that because then why, when he had so much control over these places, didn't he just level it all? You know what I'm saying? He doesn't go through and kill everything. He he conquers. He subjugates. I mean, does he kill a lot? Yeah, he kills a lot. I mean, he wants to. I mean, I got, I got destroying the old world because he hated Sigmar so much. But here he seems to be more sending out his troops to conquer. And yes, he wants to bring about oblivion. But I, I suppose if you put everything under the realm of of uh, under the rule of chaos. I mean, I could have this totally wrong. I just, I sort of read this when you got to his little section in the book uh, of that, especially when you've got other people who are sitting around. I mean, he's got worshipers who are worship him and are trying to subjugate everything in his name. It's just, it, it like I said, it, he confuses me. He seems like he wants to do the same thing Nagash wants to do, but he's doing it in their name. And he, bless you, he's doing it in their name. And he's um, he's and he's he's doing it, uh, you know, out of spite and out of hate. But it seems like uh, and maybe and like I said, maybe it's just because as I'm reading this, it's from the other side. Um, and plus, this isn't the Archaeon book. This is this 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 is more of a campaign book. So you just get a quick one. But it says even those. Uh, those sworn to chaos bear the ever chosen's brand. Some wear his brand above any of the dark pantheon. There are those who whisper that should he ever achieve his ultimate game of grinding the mortal realms beneath his heel, there will be no gods to play games with the lives of mortals. There will be nothing save the black banners of the ever chosen raves across the lame and breadth of every realm. And I know that's other people's ideas, but it's that idea that he's not. If he wanted to destroy it all when he owned 90% of it, destroy all 90% of what you have. Burn it all. Make it a wasteland. Make it unusable. Don't let them ach- don't give them anything to take back. And he's not doing that. And I just this is why Archeon kind of has he's he's gotten my attention over the past few months. Um Actually, ever since his book came out, I kind of get fascinated with him because he pops up like the boogeyman, and he's sort of inscrutable, and it just it, it I it I almost feel like he's lying to himself, you know. I, this is just, this is just the sense I'm getting of him. But this is what I re- this is why I really liked this this story, seeing him in action, which you don't get to see too often. Um, seeing his plan, right. seeing what he's doing, um, it just so it, it think- felt that way to me. So, like, when you're saying, like, he controlled 90% of the realms, um, was that his direct armies or the armies of chaos? Well, he was the one sent out and doing all the conquering. The book made it sound like even those armies of chaos were under him. That I, I don't necessarily think that's true, though. Well, like, maybe. if you look at the forces, and actually, it's predominantly bloodbound. So that's corn, Nurgle obsessed over the realm of life. And Zinch went to metal because that's his thing. Oh, that's true. That is true. So I don't necessarily think that all of that was under his direct influence. 
I think 90% of the realms are under the influence of chaos, but not Archeon. Like, he can't be everywhere. Right. It actually, it, it, it actually says that in the book. Already. Right. So if, if he had direct control over 90% of the realms, that would be different. But he didn't. And chaos doesn't want him to achieve his ultimate goal. They want him to achieve the goal of conquering everything in their name, but then not destroying everything because then they would have nothing to play with. Mm, okay. I don't. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe I just seeing him. Maybe I'm picturing him differently in 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 my head than he really is. Maybe I need to go back and look at the the other the other books um, that he shows up in and see. I just, yeah. I mean, I could be totally wrong about this, but this is the sense I get when I read this particular book. Well, you're not wrong. This is this is your interpretation of a character that has such a long and rich background and then even just like even amongst the different uh chaos worshippers he's seen differently like you, you look at all the work i work bands they see him as some interpretation of something else some different facet right so that's the thing with the undivided it is it's not like all of one thing that's true so so, but that's this is what when I was reading this book, it just seemed like these two become such great opponents because they're they're, they're they are both looking to subjugate the entirety of the realms. Sigmar is not looking to subjugate the realms; he is looking to free the realms so that people can live peacefully. And both of these guys hate him for it. But watching them go at each other, trying to be the one who subjugates the realms, is just so much fun. Uh, I mean, since reading yeah. this and I reading some of the other stuff. The... Pardon me? I think that falls into the whole chaotic versus lawful um, kind of aspect. Because like, if you think about what destruction is, it's destruction for destruction's sake. Whereas chaos is destruction and that has a plan. You look at Sigmar, it's like order within, you know, it's life within order. But then you have Nagash, which is total order in death. So it's the two ends of the spectrum. You see what I'm saying? Like the one that's the most wanton order and the most extreme destruction version. Yeah. Yeah. I Like I said, I just... I'm, I've been really enjoying this, and I've gone back and looked at some of the Archeon stuff. I gotta go read. I gotta really read through Slaves to Darkness because I know I want to cover that sometime soon, since they've got so much weird stuff going on. I just am becoming a bit obsessed with him. And if I didn't already have two armies to finish painting, I keep looking at him and his Varengard, going, "Oh, this is so cool." But that's another story. Um, we should probably break. Um. Why don't we break and we can come back and talk about the stuff in the book that we really thought was cool. And I have a bunch of questions that maybe you can help answer. Um, but we can hit some of the really interesting little points in here um, because there is a lot of neat stuff that happens and a lot of characters come through. You know, it, it, you said it seemed long, but it was only it was, you know, 48 pages, including introduction and pictures. Um and it brought in so many people. So I think it went pretty quickly, even though it was a lot of fighting. Um, 
and I just I'd like to cover a little bits and bits and bobs of that and talk about some of the cool stuff in there and then go through some of the little nonsense questions that I had so uh, we'll be right back Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. back we're back with the wrath of the ever chosen so um alex was there any what, what was what were the points that stood out to you where did where did you where were you like oh this is great i'm loving this any characters anything that stood out i know you're painting up some that's un, a good question un, undead so i mean I'm actually I, not i'm painting slamash at the moment but uh the dread pageant for dire chasm um, ah. honestly, there weren't a lot of like standout characters to me outside of the main players being like Archeon, the, uh, tongueless Lord, uh, Catacros, Lady Linder, and then splash appearances by Bellacor. Right. Um, I would agree. I didn't see a lot of like outside of that. It was very tight focus on these particular characters and they introduced like they brought in Marikar blood sky or whatever her name is right um, the dark with war queen that went into shyish to try to stop the necroquake um she comes in with her horde of marauders uh, like they they name, name drop a lot but they still heavy focused on the two primary which would be catacross and Archeon, really. That's a, and that's a good way to put it. It was a lot of name dropping. Like if you play Warcry, they name dropped everybody in Warcry. Just like it was a nonstop. Hey, look, these guys. Warcry takes place in his realm, and these guys are there. Remember these guys? Like they're, they're there. And of course, you can use them all now in uh, in your games. Um. But it seemed like a lot of mm-hmm. it seemed like a lot of these guys are here. We have them in this other game. We have them playing. You know, you can play with them. We're going to be allowing you to play them in your matched play games. Um, so we're going to work them into the story. 
not as any major character because they are little war bands, but they are guys who lead war bands so we can give a name to the next wave of something that comes in when we want to bring things in in waves so that we can make it look like, uh-oh, the tide might be turning. So it was a lot of name dropping. If you had any criticism, it's probably that. Name dropping of people that didn't really do much. Um, I loved seeing... Mm-hmm. I loved, Except I. Yeah. Um, I liked seeing... I mean, and I play the Night Haunt, so it was exciting for me to see the Craven King doing his thing, to watch Lady Olinder go through, um, to show her true face and see her, the general and the army against her, just his heart just explodes from grief and all the people around her started. Hardened chaos warriors. She's come in. That's one of the cool things. It's not just a pall of darkness. She's coming through with the night haunt, and she is sending through waves and waves of emotional pain and grief through the land. Hardened chaos warriors were cutting their own throats when she focused on them because they couldn't handle the emotional pain that she radiates. This is the coolest thing I've read in Warhammer in a while. I just think it's fantastic. Like, like I know they call her the Mortark of Grief, but seeing that in action is wonderful. Um, I also really enjoyed seeing the Bone Reapers in action. Uh, I kind of want to make fun of it a little bit. Um, every other time, but Catacross was in, in I mean, I was, I, I was going to go back and write and take like every instance and write it down. I just didn't have the time or the desire after a while. But every time you turn around and it's like, but the, uh, you know, the Catacross is the perfect general Catacross, but his, his, in his impeccable, uh, you know, planning did this and his amazing tactic tactical ability it was just so many ways of talking about how amazing a tactician he is how many different descriptions of that constantly popping up um but mm-hmm. seeing them transform a dread gate into a bone reaper palace rip it down tear it out sending back all i mean they they, they scorch earth this place when they go through um, he literally says, leave nothing but silence and ash. And he goes through and just everything dies. And they send it all back to make more warriors. Um, very different from the old necromancer stuff or even the old Tomb King stuff, which you just raise them back up and send them out mindlessly attacking. No, we're sending them back to be reforged. Very similarly to Sigmar in some ways. Where they're sending these guys back and they're reforging and rebuilding and refi- reshaping them. Uh, into bone reapers to come back out and keep wiping things out. It was, I just, I really liked it. I really liked that bit of insight into these different factions that um, even though they had a book and, you know, you, you read their book and you see their, their their style of play, but seeing them come out there and doing stuff narratively against some of these other armies or in conjunction with it, I just, I had so much fun reading about it. Um, I think the big thing is that it's like no other mortal army could really have done what they did. Now, granted, they didn't knock down the Varen Spire. Like, that was just something that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. But 
being able to establish the Arx Terminexus, which is the um, fortress that they've established in the in the eight points, um, and like describing the construction of it, how, how it's like interwoven fingers, like reaching out, and the whole thing underneath it is the you take the raw material, which for most mortal armies would be like stone, metal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. For them, it's just bone. So they go through and they slaughter everything. All the bones get taken back and then repurposed into making the Arx Terminexus, um, remaking more troops. So it's like they're the only army that could have really made this kind of a p- sustained push because there's no like real raw material that can be used, the eight points, like effectively by somebody outside of chaos. So instead, the Bone Reapers use the very thing that they have the most plentiful thing of in the in the eight points which is people to fight and then they become the material so like that concept is a bit more intriguing than just oh we built a fortress but but we only have so much so it's going to be built on the scraps of fortress we just attacked etc etc but for them to completely take down a fortress and then rebuild one in their more appropriate image Right. They're the only ones that could have done that. Oh, it's so it's so great. It really is, and the description of it, everything is just. I, I really, I was wrapped up in it. I was wrapped up in it. Um, I thought that was really some fantastic uh, bits there. Seeing the other um, legions fall under Nagash's or Nagash's. Uh, not Nagash's, fall under Archeon's sway when he just rages and calls out to them. Um, seeing how many are there to just go in and just constantly be attacking. The fear of his generals to be like, if I lose the Varen Spire, I am going to suffer for eternity. I'm already going to suffer for losing the, the gate. Um, I thought that was really cool. Uh, what was the other part that I really that really sort of jumped out to me. Um, oh, I love the, the, well, first of all, the chaos dwarves get mentioned because they're make, they're his, his number one weapons manufacturers. And, um, and they, they trashed the place. They literally, they took away his greatest weapons forge. They destroyed it. That's a huge blow. That's a huge issue. That Archeon's going to have to deal with now. Um, it's just it, it was the, the 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 plan was so good, and so you go through and you f- you're fighting with all this stuff. Um, meanwhile, he almost freed Slanesh, It seemed like because he was clever enough to do that, uh, get break through a lot of the chains, and now he's not going back. And he's he only so broke angry. one. I thought he broke more than one. He broke the cornhead one. one bit through the one. I thought he had broken another. But maybe I was wrong. No, I thought oh, he just broke one, and he was getting ready to go fly around and get more. But that's when he got the vision. He only broke the one that could be broken by corn. Oh, okay. But he he was going to be able to break more. Like he was on the job. Um. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what else? Pop, 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 pop. When he shows up, and the actual realm itself reacts to his anger. 
when the volcanoes start erupting and the blood river starts pouring blood everywhere and starts burning people with it with this acidity um that's pretty cool i don't know non-gods who have that sort of control over their realms and this is this is going this is leading to some of the questions that i had um is the eight points its own realm are we supposed to consider it its own realm, or is it something different? Because we have the eight realms, nine if you count the chaos realm. But like this place seems to stand on its own. It has its own. Um, it has its own version of Realmstone, the Varanite, right? Uh, yeah, but that wasn't there prior to being taken over by chaos. It wasn't? Do we know that for as certain? As far as I know. I mean, it wasn't mentioned before that, but do we know that it's not I mean, native to it? As far as I know, I, mean, I don't Yeah, see, I just assumed it was that, there prior to. Uh, well, then where did, then how did it get there? What, chaos took over, so suddenly Realmstone starts appearing? Like I said, it's had to be there. It just hadn't been mined until then, is my guess. Maybe it wasn't in the form of Varanite, but there must have had something there that was particular to that realm. Because even if it was just corrupted by chaos, right? I'm thinking it was something. But then there was something there, wasn't there? And it's and if it's if it's got unique properties to that realm, I'm. This is just, I'm starting to look at this, and then Archeon comes riding through, and he gets angry, and stuff starts blowing up and shifting around him. That happens in the Chaos Realms when the Chaos Gods get angry. That happens in the Realm of Life when Alarial gets angry. That doesn't happen in normal places. You know, um... I just... So, to answer some of it, the eight points is a little pocket realm. It's like um, Ulgish or Ulgaish, which is where Slanesh is being kept. Um, it's not, I don't believe it's as big of a realm as like the mortal realms, but it's still large enough to house the Varen Spire, all the gates, etc., etc. Um, I don't necessarily consider it to be one of the mortal realms because it's not for forged by a particular wind of magic it's like the connection between all of them right so right um, it's just it seems I, I don't know his his control over it though uh you know it almost i mean is i don't know i don't think that he's a god but is he a god the close, well, he's that's, chosen by all four yeah and he's got his and own powers the, the eight points does not owe allegiance to any particular god. It owes allegiance to chaos undivided. The avatar or close approximation to chaos undivided that we have represented is Archeon and to a lesser degree Bellacor. Right. So if Archeon's wrath is as apocalyptic as it unfolds to, it's not that he's god. It's just that he is channeling the anger of all of the gods if you think about it okay so if they withdrew their favor from him he would be powerless and would they all do that I don't like, know if it, see, this, really this, this is why I'm fascinated by him 
This is because I'm 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 wondering yeah, all um, of these things. He reminds yeah. me a little bit of, so, of Horace in some ways. A little bit. Um, yeah, they don't. The Chaos Gods need Archeon because they're not going to get the job done themselves. But by the same token, they hate him because he refuses to bow. Right. And here's my question. So that's why he's still. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish what you're saying. So the only thing is, is like if you're discussing like Archeon ascending to godhood or anything like that, he really can't because he won't. He still has that degree of mortal pride that even though I am empowered by the gods, I am still just a man. I do not want to become a god because that's what Sigmar did. Interesting. Interesting. Because, okay, I got a long string of questions. I know I sent them to you in the notes, and this is where it gets, where I'm getting a little crazy and silly. But, you know, this whole book, it pendulums back and forth, and you've got all the, you know, and the typical undead armies just reviving everything, turning it into fodder for more of their armies. You've got Archaeon's crazy factions running in and it names a bunch of different factions. Oh, these guys can't, you know, even what's his name, even Gutrot Spume shows up or at least his, his, his people show up. Like we're going to bring in everybody who runs around this place. So, and this is what sort of led to my, if Archeon could ascend and could he be more powerful? Could he actually rule? Should he acquire, should he be able to conquer everything? So, uh, my <laughs> so first of all is chaos worship a religion per se and i ask this because when you die if there are enough people who share your religion when you go to the afterlife in shayish you go to the afterlife of your religion correct alex that's a little different Okay, but but no, uh, I'm that, with you. That is what um, happens. You don't go to Shayish. So these souls. So if a soul is corrupted by chaos, Nagash doesn't get them. Correct. Ooh, well, that's got to upset him. They are because they are promised to another. They've pledged their souls to that particular god. Okay, and they own them. Oh, okay. So then they just go there. Man, I was just like, could you picture? Like, I'm just picturing like this little realm of like the chaos afterlife in his realm. And you get enough of them. And Archaon has his own worshippers. So Archaon has worshippers. And they haven't necessarily yes. pledged him their souls, have they? Do they go to like weird Archaon worshipper afterlife? I want to see a story from Black Library where you've got a bunch of Archaon worshiping afterlife in the middle of the realm of Shyish, and Nagesh is not even thinking twice about this nonsense because he's busy, and suddenly you you get a stage revolt of from the afterlife people who still worship Archaon. Now this is I'm I'm certain I've got all this wrong, and that's not how it works. But this is where my mind starts rolling when I start thinking like this. You know, when they, if they're if they're Archean worshippers and they die, where do they go? I mean, I suppose to any of the gods or whatever. But do you have any any thoughts on this at all, or any any reasons why I'm totally off base? Because I've been rolling with this like for the last two days in my head. 
Yeah. Um, so as far as I can tell, if you worship one of the four gods, you are owned to them. You go into their, their possession. And as far as I know, that kind of energy, you can be reforged into a demon or reforged into something. Like you just become... You become a, a okay, okay. As far as I know, or like some sort of yeah, you become like something. You go from a you chaos mortal to a chaos the demon. They please with you. or yeah, something like that. Okay, a chaos soul or something. Right. If you're worshiping Archeon, I the thing is he doesn't. People worship him, but he's not a god. So I don't necessarily know what happens to those souls. I think oblivion would probably be the closest thing like they just go off on their own merry way um it's certainly entirely possible that there could be an afterlife in shyish uh for them but then they've all been destroyed then the issue is if that's a chaos afterlife and nagash has killed and absorbed the essences of all the gods of the dead and all the afterlives why hasn't he killed the chaos gods already like I said it's I, it's weird and it's complicated and it probably didn't work, but I was just trying to figure out how that would work. They could be the wandering those just weird wandering souls that don't really have a place that Nagash just punishes. I don't know. Um, but that came up, and then that makes me wonder if Arcad could ascend because if he did take over all the realms, and if he, you know if he could take over all the realms, and if he did, would that make him more powerful? than his four patrons because they get their power from the mortals from their emotions and the things that they do we've this has been well established in the lore for both games for years right and if he kills in or enslaves or subjugates mm-hmm. everybody under his banner would they be either his or would they at least not be under chaos cuz Here's a guy who just kind of hates everybody, right? And he's looking to destroy everything. Um, they hate the, the the four chaos gods. Hate him. He obviously doesn't care much for them. If he can wipe out, the, if he can rush through the realms destroying stuff, and in doing so, cripple his patrons. I'm like I said. I'm just. I'm just thinking. I don't know enough about him and his motivations and what he would ultimately want. I'm just running these threads out to whatever conclusion it leads me to. Uh, and this this had me, like I said, he's just such a puzzle to me. And I love him. Um, and these these are the questions I start to get. You know, could he do this? Um, he could. He would have to find a means to do it. But he is the end of everything. That is... His end goal, including the gods themselves. So he would be more powerful if he was able to do that, because then essentially he would kill the four gods. He wants to be the end of everything. He is the end of everything. Doesn't that seem like a stupid goal? Like, what's he going to do? No. Sit around in the emptiness alone, or does he just finally die content that He's he destroyed not. everything? He's not content that he destroyed everything. That's how he wanted to go in the old world. Okay. Oh, he, he was the thing that happened. Oh, he wanted to end everything and in the end everything, including himself. He wanted to be the catalyst for I end everything. Correct. Ah. 
Well, that didn't. That, how did that work out for him? Huh? It worked great. Apparently not. Reforged. Yeah, he's not the end. Hmm. No, he was. Oh, he was I... the end of the old world. Right, he but destroyed he destroyed everything, and then something happened. Uh huh. But he achieved his goal. Like he destroyed everything, but then he came crawling back. But didn't he want to be the so, end too? Like end himself? Was, I thought well, we just was. said that. But he didn't end, did he? He was, and then I'm saying, he does didn't. he? Does Not he? Sure how? Okay, I'm just asking. He wants to. When he destroys everything, he wants to die with it. Is that what we're saying? As far as far as we know. Okay, yeah, because that's destroying everything. That, that's such a dumb goal. <laughs> It's not that dumb when you think about what he wants, which is tearing I, down of everything. I get it, but just to you know, I mean, I don't know. I guess the whole suicidal portion of it doesn't doesn't make. I I don't understand that part of it, but that's just me. It's like if I conquered everything, I'd want to be. I want to at least to be able to enjoy the fruits of my labors. But that's just me. I want rewards, not that, death. That's not him, though. That's true. It's not. Uh, it's, it's more me than he him. He wants no praise. He wants no worship. He wants for nothing except for the end of everything. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Well, well, I don't know what to say about that. That just strikes me as so odd. Um, so... The two books, if you're looking for oh, yeah, like, yeah, background yeah. into Archeon from the world that was, you're looking for Archeon Everchosen and Archeon Lord of Chaos. Those are the two books you want. Um, they are available from Black Library as ebooks. Um, and from, I don't remember terribly much from Lord of Chaos, which is the second book. Um, but the first book is really what goes into his background before he becomes Archeon, when he's still Diedrich Kastner. Hmm. Interesting. I have to read that. I have it. I just never read it. I know I have it somewhere. You should. Yeah. No, I know. I just got so wrapped up in the big end times books and reporting on them. I never got to read all the cool lore. That's the problem. I, I don't. It, uh, I. You know what? I could be locked in my house in a pandemic and not able to go do anything, and I still couldn't finish reading all my books. I have a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, but Ever Chosen is the book that starts it and really explains who he is and like trial and tribulation to even create him um cool i'm gonna have to read that now now i'm definitely gonna have to read that maybe and I'll... you find out who his father is oh don't um, don't don't and i know the book's like five years old still don't spoil it for me i'll cry i'm not but it's like you really get a sense of why he wants to tear everything down and like his whole thing is he's a former Templar of Sigmar. He's a former knight who found the first shrine to chaos and then start to started to question everything. Um, uh-huh. And by asking all those questions, he found the answers that he didn't 
agree with. So, gotcha. Interesting. That's what Very started him down the path is asking questions. Uh, that's always dangerous, asking questions. You know, first you're looking, what is this puzzle box? Then how do I open the puzzle box? Next thing you know, you're being torn apart by weird guys in leather with uh, all sorts of pins in their faces and, and skin pulled open. It's just, that's bad. It's dangerous. Questions mm-hmm. are dangerous. All right. Um, is there anything else you wanted to hit in this story? There's just, ugh. I mean, I could I could go on for another hour, uh, but I I don't want to. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's late and it's you know the book's a year old. If you haven't read it yet, go out and read it. It's very cool. Um, you know, if you're a patron sponsor and we do a paint night type thing, uh, and you want to sit and chit chat about that book for a while. Uh, that would be a totally wonderful time um, during one of the, the the group paint times to, to chit-chat about it. Uh, you could leave a voicemail if you'd like to uh, about it. You could, But uh, it's a year old. It's one of the reasons we're not going into every last little detail is because it's, it's an older book that we didn't get to. I wish we would. Now that I read it, I wish we would have covered it a long time ago because, uh, like I said, the Marathi stuff, the that, that would have felt much more like background and not like, oh, wait, what happened? What did I miss? Um, but I just, I really liked it. I really liked it. it. And I liked it because of the little details. Like, I knew how it had to end. Uh, and not just because I read Marathi, but I knew how it had to end because it's not like anybody's going to take Arkan out anytime soon. Uh, he's too popular a character to lose this quickly. Um, and by quickly, I mean, what, 30 years or whatever, but um. Yeah, it's just I think it's great. I think you should definitely pick it up and read it, especially if you play Chaos. Because when we come back from the break, we're going to briefly talk about the different uh, things you can now do in 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 the, in the game. Um, this isn't as much like Marathi, where you have a lot of just just armies you could just take for the game. Um, this has a lot of stuff that if you play Chaos or you play the Armies of the Ever Chosen, which is still Chaos, um, there's some new rules for you. I'm not 100% certain how or where you can use them. I'm leaving that bit to Alex to explain to us, uh, you and me, the, you the listener, and me the guy who doesn't read very well apparently. Um, and we'll figure that out when we get back. That's right, friends. Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois, and at grognardgames.com. They are now open daily from 12 to 7 for your gaming pleasure. Now, if you want, you can go into the store, find what you need. Not comfortable going into the store, even with a mask on? Call them up for curbside pickup. Or order online at grognardgames.com. They've got what you need. They've got Warhammer. They've got Dungeons & Dragons. They've got Marvel Crisis Protocol. They've got Battletech. They've got a huge pre-owned section, and you can find it on grognardgames.com or in the store. Now, you can't play in the store right now. Still got to have social distancing protocols, and if I got to stay more than six feet away from you, 
probably can't play a game of Magic. Probably going to be pretty difficult to play a game of Warhammer either. But you can still get all your hobby needs met at Grognards. Because as the world starts to reopen and your hobbying starts to take off again, you know you're going to need stuff. And you can find it at Grognards. And why? You know why. Because there's always something happening at Grognards. And we are back with the rules section of the Wrath of, Ever- of the Ever Chosen. Right. Um, and there is a lot. <laughs> there, there is. Um, and there's some... There, now, um, now, Realm of Battle, they have a, a, a region of war, the eight points. Is this a new realm? You now, this, this is just for if you want to play this campaign. Am I correct? Or can... You just play. This in the is eight- more so for narrative play. Okay, um, I'm sure you could agree to play here um, with your opponent, but as far as I'm aware, this should be just narrative only. Okay, so there are just okay. So you know, um, and I love the narrative, um, but there's so many different things here. And if we, if we, if we, honestly, if we took the time to go through all of this, the show. I mean, I know we've only been on for about an hour. T- 10, an hour 20, maybe an hour and a half. I don't know. I haven't edited the show yet. Um, but th- this show would double in length if we went through all of this in detail. And once again, the, the, the book's a year old. If you're into this, you probably already know it. And if you're not, um, you know, we're going to give you enough to wet your whistle so you can go in if you're interested in and and continue this. But uh, so we're going to skip the eight points as a realm place. Um, for now, we're also going to skip the roaming monsters because there is, and these are cool rules. If you want to play some fun narrative gaming, and it doesn't even have to be these, these, um, these particular battle plans for this campaign, just the idea of they've got a list of different types of monsters and what it will happen. Um, you know, as far as narrative play goes, having stuff want randomly wander through and wreak havoc on your game um i i find that to be fun at times so yeah and it's also introducing rules for like the wandering monsters which we had previously with the realm of beasts but this is a little more in depth right just each player takes it in turns um and then you have the wandering endless spells because that's the other fun thing about uh the eight points since the necroquake is that the spells are able to hold their shape a lot longer. Um, yep. Because the area is so magically charged. So they're quite a bit worse than where they normally are worse. Right. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of cool stuff here. Definitely check it out. Uh, there's rules for siege warfare in here. Uh, Siege Warfare Allegiance abilities, depending on what, and they've got stuff here for, I think, just about everybody, and everybody who was already out at least. Mm -hmm. Um, So if Siege rules for um, all the different factions, uh, and whether you're the attacker or the defender is all listed in here, battle plans for the campaign, there are six, eight... I think there's eight. Yeah, there's eight battle plans for you to play out 
if you're interested. And then we get all the way page up up to page 85, and we get some allegiance abilities. Now, uh, I I don't know as much. I don't. I know this is more your forte, Alex, and you're going to kind of take some of the lead here. Um, but I would just like to introduce, and if I get it wrong, please correct me. Uh, you get two new sets of allegiance abilities for chaos. Uh, there's the Legion of Chaos Ascendant and Knights of the Empty Throne. And if I'm correct, Knights of the Empty Throne is Archaeon's armies, right? And Legions of Chaos Ascendant is just everybody in chaos sort of under his command. Am I correct? Yeah, so the Knights of the Empty Throne is Archaeon's army without Archaeon. Right. And Legions of Chaos Ascendant is... Basically, this is Bellacor. So this is the old combination Chaos Demons. Okay, so this is yeah Chaos Demons. Okay, so let's start with Legions of Chaos Ascendant. Okay, if you're going to be playing, if you're choosing Chaos, you decide if it's Legions of Chaos. Legions of Chaos Ascendant. It has that allegiance instead of another allegiance. They all gain the Chaos Ascendant keyword. Um, you can only include units that have so yeah only can be Chaos Demons. Yeah, and the trick around that is if you want to include things like uh, Puscoil Blight Lords or Skull Crushers or uh, the Beastmen on Discs, those all have the Chaos Demon keywords. So they could technically squeak in. It's not very themey, but you could squeak it. Oh, okay. So anything that fits in any of the books, the Chaos books, if it says Chaos Demon, they can play in here. Okay, Correct. cool. Um, and basically what you want to know, and there's just a couple of cool things, and, um, I, I, and I do know people who would totally play this. I do know people mm-hmm. who just want to play Mixed Chaos. And basically uh, you get a six-up uh, ward save for it, right? You Basically it gives you a six-up yeah, ward and save. And that's not dependent on closeness to a character like Death no. has. This is just flat six. Flat six up war save. And at the end of the movement phase, you can pick one friendly Chaos Ascendant Demon Hero and roll 3d6. If you roll a 10 or better, you get to put a unit of 10 of their basically battle line troops uh, onto the table with them, near them. So if it's a corn hero you pick and you roll 3d6 and you get a 10 or better, which 10 is your average, so you should you know, usually get this, you'll get 10 blood letters, Nurgle will get plague bearers, or you'll get demonettes, or you'll get horrors. Uh, 10 of them. Um, the problem is if you roll doubles, uh, you get a mortal wound on that demon hero. Uh, if it's a triple, they take d3 mortal wounds. Do they still get their... If I roll triple sixes, do I yes. still get my, uh, yeah, I still get my unit, but then I take a little backlash damage. That's, but then you can try to save it on the Realm Walker's ability. Because you got the six up. <laughs> if I roll three sixes, or and a then five I get, up. Or a five oh yeah. How do I get on a five up? Oh, because some of the, the some of their normal rules. Yes. Okay. Uh, and I mean they come with command traits and artifacts of power and they've got a little bit of a spell lore. Once again, feel free to Go get the book and look through it. I'm just letting you know if I, I want to give you the the gist of what you can do. The fact that you can just play a straight chaos demons army like the old time chaos mixed chaos demons um, 
themey and fun, and I love it. And uh, they've even got uh, four battalions. They've got a battalion for each of the major chaos gods. Um, and it's, <laughs> if you're doing that, it's almost a whole army, it seems like, doesn't it? I mean, it's it just depends on the characters and how big the units are. Yeah, I mean, you're talking basically each of them have two to three heroes, and then a number of units equal to their 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 magic number. So each of them is two yeah. to three heroes. Corn, you got to have eight units of blood letters. Nurgle's got to have seven units of plague bearers, and so on and so forth. And they all get a bonus. That's a lot. Like. But oh, see, and here we go. Yeah, how fun would it be just to take one of each of these four battalions and just load it up and throw uh, Bellicor in there and then just go to war with just this, just all four of the Chaos Gods marching off. Oh, so much fun. So dumb. Not even having cool mm-hmm. stuff in it. Just spending thousands of points on just straight up basic Chaos Demons. Yep. And then Knights of the Empty Throne, you said it's it's everyone. Ex- so you can't have Archeon in this? You can have Archeon. However, um, there's additional rules if Archeon is not in this army. Okay, so it's basically a Slaves to Darkness army, right? Essentially, yes. Okay, uh, if you give them Knights of the Empty Throne... Varengard units become oh they become the hero if Ar- they become heroes if Archeon's not there. Oh. Are they also yes. battle line? Are Varengard battle line? They're battle line if Archeon's the general or if you're playing a particular host. Okay, so he so you that they would not be in this case, but they would be heroes. Okay. Um yes, units of 3 plus 5 wound, 3 up save. Destructo tanks as your heroes. They don't get a lookout, sir. And they have to take a unit with the hero keyword can only have the command trait or artifacts of power listed opposite. So if you have multiple Varengard units and you take a bunch of battalions, you can't give those Varengard units a bunch of different things. Right? Because it doesn't say the first one. It says that a knight of the Empty Throne Varengard unit with the hero keyword can only have the command traits or artifacts of power. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking stupid. Forget what I even said that. So they'd have to take from here. And you wouldn't have much more than three because that would be at least two battalions and those guys are expensive. So let's see. Uh, what's their specialty? They get a command ability, pick an enemy unit within 12 of a hero, which includes the Varengard units now. Um, oh, I like this one. Yep. Roll a number of dice equal to the number of models in the unit. For every three plus until the end of the battle round, the number of models in that unit that are counted when determining control of the objective is reduced by one. You can't use this more than once per turn on the same unit. So if you've got a horde holding an objective and you can't get in, plus you've only got like three Varengard, you can roll a dice and on a three-up, uh, or you can roll a die for every model in the unit and add up all the three-ups and that's subtracted from their total. Then you kill a bunch of them, but that number is still the same because that's the number you rolled, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you can really... Yes. The, you know who this doesn't do anything against, really? Giants. 
because there's only going to be one to three bottles and they count for like 10 or 20 or whatever. So it doesn't work so good against Giants. And then what else? Um, oh, and then on a five up, if you if you destroy, you can. They've got a command ability. If you kill a Varengard unit on a five up, you can put back a unit of three. And I don't think you make units much bigger than three with them, do you? Not without paying a lot of money for it. Yeah. So you can on a five up. You got a command point and on a five up. You could bring it back. Not as good as the bringing back units of ghouls on a four, but uh, three Varen guard back on a five. It's something. Ugh. If you roll it, that's devastating to your opponent. Varen guard are just stupid. I mean, they're just really tough. They're such tanks and just just. Oh, I wiped it out finally. Yeah, it's coming back. Ugh, I hate you. Oh, I really like. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, chaos is so much fun at times. All right, now, um, the now these next these. Now explain a couple of things here for me. Help me out here, Alex. They've got rules and allegiance abilities okay. uh, for a bunch of things here. This is very much like if you pick uh, um, a group from Sigmar, if they're going to be Hallowed Knights or whatever, or if you yes. pick if you yeah if it. So they've got the flayed, the baleful lords. Aren't those aren't those war cry war brands flayed ones and no no okay. So I just no these I, are corny legions. Um, these are not war cry war bands. Okay, I just thought they had similar names. I thought maybe this was like a legion in the realm, uh, you know, in the eight points, and this is like, oh, these would be the flayed. But, okay, I got that totally wrong. No, these are the rules for the different um, allegiances that fought during the course of the Wrath of the Everchosen campaign. There's a lot of them, by the way. So let's see. We've got... There are. We've got the flayed, the baleful lords, the unbound flux, the cult of a thousand eyes, the Munificent Wanderers, the Droning Guard, the Blessed Sons, the Drowned Men, the Lurid Haze, the Faultless Blades, the Scarlet Cavalcade, and the Legion of the First Prince. Now, the Legion of the First Prince is Bellacor, and all those other ones are the diff- the four different Chaos Gods. We've got two for Corn, two for Zinch, four for Nurgle, and three for Slanesh. Uh, um Yeah, I don't want to go through 11, 12 of these. I do want to go through Legion of Chaos Ascendant only because I like Bellacor. Um can we just talk briefly? I mean, can you talk to the ideas behind them? Like, you know, kind of is there anything that sort of sums up, you know, what some of these do? Is there anything that really gives you anything cool or Maybe, you know, Nurgle has a theme running through it or Corn has a theme running through it. I just I don't want to sure. completely so, ignore them, you know? No, no. I gotcha. Uh so for the Flayed, the big thing is that the more enemy heroes and monsters that they kill during the combat phase, because they're corn, uh the unit that inflicted the kill, their armor reacts to it. So they become tougher to kill. So they add plus one to their save for the rest of the battle. For each guy? For each, it says verbatim, if any 
enemy heroes or monsters were slain by attacks made by a friendly flayed mortal unit in that phase, you had one to save rolls for attacks to target that unit for the rest of the oh. battle, and they cannot benefit from it for more than once. So you can't so only like, one. continue to stack it. Right. Okay, that's what I was asking. But okay. still, the vast majority of the corn mortal stuff is a four up save, um, or possibly a five up. So to get that down to a three or a four up is still pretty good. Um, Baleful Lords. This one is um, <laughs> this one's all about your bloodthirsters. Um, okay, because you can take an additional one if all your behemoths are monster are bloodthirsters. So you can have five bloodthirsters in this army. And this is all about Jeez. bloodthirsters, because that's what we need. Five bloodthirsters. I played against a three bloodthirster army, and I did not enjoy it. Yeah, this is five. Um, that's really what that one's about. Um, the unbound fuck flux. Watch flux. it. <laughs> um, hey, I I did. Um, <laughs> this is just inflicting more mortal wounds from spells. Um, and just casting more and better. That is really all they are about. This is the demon part of it. So, like, all of them get the bonus. Oh, cool. This is, this is like where your pinkies and your heralds go into effect. Um, the Cult of a Thousand Eyes is making your um, acolytes more accurate for purposes of shooting because um, this affects your mortal half of the zinch. So, that's pretty much the big thing, is just it makes them more accurate. Because you basically pick units that you've influenced and you can focus on them. So that's that one. The Wanderers, um, this is benefiting. This is one of the two benefiting for Nurgle Demons. So Munificent Wanderers. Um, they reduce the rend of all combat attacks against them by one. Oh, you broke up a little bit there. What did they do? So. Um, when they're in combat, they worsen the rend of things that attack them by one to a minimum of dash. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else? That's really the big thing for them. For the droning guard, uh, this one also has the same thing where they worsen the rend of things in three inches. Um, by one, so things again that they're fighting in combat. But the big thing for the Droning Guard is that this is all about the flies and the plague drones. That's really like the narrative and thematic about it for the Droning Guard is that the plague drones get to move four inches before the start of the game. Um, in addition to uh, adding uh like increasing the save of their disgusting resilient to a four up instead of a five up. So this is all about the flies. Okay. That makes sense. Um, let's see the blessed sons. This is for rock bringers. Um, so this is the blight Kings, blight Lords, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this is, uh, more about like if you kill a model from a unit, the attacking unit takes some mortal wound. Um, unless the attacking unit has the neural keyword, in which case they heal a wound. Um, 
that's really um, what they're about. It's just additional damage. Um, and it has some extra ping ability um, based on uh, bravery characteristics and some additional tests for that. So it's okay. Um, the Drowned Men are uh, Gutroth Spume's Legion. Uh, these guys want, they have the same thing where it's like if you kill them, they do more damage back to you. But this is about uh, Puscoil Blight Lords. So this is um, stuff to make them better. They are the masters of aerial and naval warfare for Nurgle. So like the Puscoil Blight Lords get better. And that's really the big thing that gets better on this is that those flies get better. Um, okay. So if you like the flies, congratulations, you have a um, <laughs> legion. <sighs> for Slanesh, there's one of each for invaders, pretenders, and godseekers. Right. Um, because those are the three types of Slaneshi armies. Um, so with the lurid haze uh this gives you a redeploy for ambushing um so essentially like you take a unit that was um on the table during deployment you can remove d3 of them and then set them up in ambush um that's really what they're about um let's see the faultless blades um, they want to test their skill against the very deadliest of duelists. So when they attack a hero, they get plus one to hit. Um, and that's really about it. They have some additional bumps for like piling in and additional targets to heroes um, and like how to keep your characters alive, etc. Um, but that's what the Faultless Blades are about. And then the Scarlet Cavalcade. Um, this is silly. Because um, this is all <laughs> about the chariots. Um, I love those chariots. They may or may not be great, but I love those chariots. They are just the worst. Like, they're just grinding. Th- I mean, come on. When we read the lore, they were the gardeners. And they yes, were just, yeah. The and then they just, hey, let's take these out to battle. We could mulch up people. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so the big thing is like they they're primarily focused on the seekers and the uh, chariots. So they make them charge better is really the bulk of it. Okay. And then we get to the Legion of the First Prince. And so I just want to hit this for a minute. Uh, and this is Bellacor's army, which is why I have fun with it. And when I look at this, what does it tell me? Uh, first of all, you can reroll hit and wound rolls for attacks made by Bellacor when he's within eight inches at least of one each of the units. Bloodletters, plague bearers, demonettes, and horrors of Zinch. So you've got to keep one unit with near him from every type. Am I correct? Am I reading this correct? Yes. Uh, in addition, before you allocate a wound or mortal wound, pick a friendly legion of bloodletters, plague bearers, demonettes, or horrors, and on a four up. So he's he, he you keep them all within eight inches of him. Not wholly, keep them within eight inches of him. 
He gets to reroll hit and wound rolls, and he gets a four-up lookout, sir. That's that's mm-hmm. what he gets. That's okay. Yeah, I'm I'm reading this correctly. Okay. That's wonderful, isn't it? I mean, isn't that good? It is. He's a good combat character. Um, this is definitely all about him. So then, uh, and then what else does he get? That's, uh, let's see. Uh, you can use the, uh, his, his command ability at the end of the battle shock phase. If he's your general and on the battlefield, roll a die for each blood letter, plague bearer, demonet, and horror of Zinch unit. On a three up, you can return D3 slain models to the unit. So he's summoning up more. Each wizard knows an additional spell, and that's the master's command. Cast on a seven. Pick a friendly unit. Uh, blood letters, play bearers, demonets, or horrors. Holy within 12 inches of the caster. Invisible until the starting next hero phase. If they are slain by an attack made by a melee weapon, they can fight before it is removed from play. So it's all sorts of just bringing more guys back and being super aggressive, which is exactly what Bellacor mm-hmm. does. That's what you'd expect from him. I really like that because that's that's the Bellacor awesomeness and uh, factor going getting into play there. So I like it, um, but that's just me because I I I like I think Bellacor is pretty awesome. So so that's it. Those are all <laughs> those are all of the abilities. Uh, basically, if you're into chaos, there's cool stuff you can do. With these legions, mostly if you're playing demons, chaos demons, um, but there's also stuff if you want to play Varengard and stuff like that too. So I don't know. Um, now you can play this. Now this is all legal for matched play, right, Alex? Like every every one of them. Now was this compiled anywhere, or do you just have to have this book to have all these rules too? You have to have this book. <sighs> They need to come out this like this stuff, all the little new things. That, and I know they won't because they want you to buy these books, but I just wish this stuff would go into the general's handbook. Like, by the way, here's all the junk from the that we put out over the past year. But that would cut well, down. Well, they're doing pe- that with the white dwarves is downloadable PDFs you can purchase, but um, purchase. Oh, because you got to buy the white dwarf. Yeah. Oh, hey, listen. Um. Last episode, uh, there was a mistake made, and somebody did send me a correction. So before we get to close to signing off here, I want to mention that. Um, if apparently we were talking about uh, the 40K app, and Rotor was talking about how if I buy the book and I get the download, I can download the book, but I have to subscribe for the five bucks a month to his year to use it. Um, I did get an email from a listener or a message from a listener, Facebook message saying, uh, hey, actually, if you buy the book and you get the code, uh, you 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 can download it, and you don't have to subscribe to Azir to get all those rules like that, or not Azir, the whatever the forty k one's called. But you don't have to do the five dollar a month subscription to get the rules for the book you bought. You get that for free. Uh, the five dollar a month subscription unlocks other things, but if you pay for the book and get it, you don't have to subscribe to be able to use it. So that was that was uh, they just wanted to correct that. Um. Because that that seemed really weird, and I was really irritated by it when I was told that that was a mistake. I'm like, oh, that's good. At least, at least I'm not getting gouged. So, there you go. Overall, what do you think? How how well do you rate this book, Alex? 
Um, I think it's pretty good. Um, again, if you're uh, like a completionist and you want everything, and if you play Chaos, this is a big deal, especially with the additional Allegiance abilities. Um, I mean, it's a good purchase, I think. So, no, it's enjoyable, but I think you have to have like a lot of interest in death and chaos, as you might imagine. Or you just gotta love this here game, because I got interest in both, even though I don't play the chaos. Although, man, I'd like to have that Archeon and some Varengard just run those out. Maybe those would be good against Harrison's stupid Lumineth. No. No? No. No. Okay. (laughs) Do you have a gun? No. Can you kill the Cathalars without going through all the spears first? No. Oh, that's right. Maybe I'll just go buy a bunch of eels and play even play something even dumber. <laughs> just play, play slap fight of stupidity. Ugh. All right, that has nothing to do with any of this. Um, all right, so before we wrap up, though, because we did do the commercial. Yeah, we did do our third break. So we did all our breaks before we do this. Um, Alex, before we get to thanking everybody again, um, I want to thank you in particular, um, folks, uh, this is Alex's, uh, last episode as the permanent, as the full-time, uh, co-host on Garage Hammer. He is, uh, he has other responsibilities. He has other things he has to do. So this is going to be his last episode. And Alex, I want to thank you for the over three years you've been doing this. And I'm certain you have something you want to say, so I'm going to shut up and let you say it. But I just wanted to start off and say thank you very much for uh, all the time and effort you have put into this um, over the past several years. So, um, Yeah, this has been a really rough year uh, for me in particular. Um going through everything and trying to learn how to be a dad, um, how to be a good dad. Um, and that was the primary reason that I stepped down from Adepticon was I wanted to focus more on being a dad. Um, and this last year, um, not being able to go to events, um, has really made me reconsider like what I want to do with um my time and honestly my daughter and my family are my first priorities is really what it boils down to and i need to take more time to be available to them um like for those of you that don't know me personally you just listen to my horrible for radio voice um a couple times a month um over the last year we have lost a dog. Um, we've moved house. Um, we've gone through all these wonderful, horrible adjustments that everyone else is going through. Um, so really at the end of the day, I'm not getting out of age of Sigmar. I'm not disappearing from the community. Um, like that's part of the reason why I have done like everything, um, that I have, is because I care this much about the community. Um, but at this point, I need to 
put my energy into my family right now. Um, but this has been like a tremendous opportunity for me. This, like, there's not a lot, um, in this game and in this community that I haven't done at this point and being able to help champion, uh, age of Sigmar, uh, from the turning point with AOS, um, and even in its early stages, um, to help put it on the platform that it is now, um, it's just been one of the best opportunities of my life, but I need to take care of the best opportunity that I have. So that's that's the reason. So don't like this isn't anything to do with workshop. This isn't anything to do with hobby. This isn't anything to do with anything else. This is me putting my priorities in order for me. That's all it is. So um Thank you, everyone, for listening uh, for the last three years and really taking an interest in like I was reading some of the old e- emails that we had gotten um, in response to the Plague Garden episode, um, which was probably my shining moment <laughs> as co-host, I think, just being able to talk about it and really like seemingly make a difference to people. And that is um, like that doesn't go away. So thank you all, especially thank you to Dave for putting up with me and my incessant crabbiness, grouchiness, uh, not talking loud enough into the mic, um, (laughs) and just other general nonsense that I have been inflicting on Dave for the last three years. So it's been a trip. It really has, um, so thank you, everyone, and thank you, Dave, for giving me this opportunity. No, it's been uh, it's been great having you having you on and doing this. And you actually know how the armies work. So now I'm going to have to actually figure things out from now on. That's going to be. Ugh, I'm going to have to cut next next episode. I'm going to have to lay out my new plans for how to cover army books when I don't know how to play this game. Okay. Well, thank you, Alex. Again, thanks. And you know, if you know, if there's ever uh, something that comes out, and you want to, especially if you want to talk about the rules, and there's a book that comes out, and you're like, I like this army, I want to talk rules. You, you know, you're always welcome to let me know and come on and shine where you know your things. Otherwise, uh, otherwise, it's me and Lindsay again for a while. And Lindsay's sitting right here, ready to go. She's looking forward to her chance to shine. Not now, Lindsay. I'm talking. So, all right. Thanks, Alex. Seriously, thank you very much for all the time mm-hmm. and effort you've put into the show and putting up with me changing the when, day we're recording or not being ready at in time or or having complete and utter breakdowns off mic. Um, thank you for being there as a part of this for as long as you have so i know it's rough i've gone through three co-hosts it's it's not it's not uh it's not as easy to do this as for this long as people think and thank you for for uh for doing your best appreciate it um let's see um all right folks so uh we'll be back in a couple of weeks i think we're gonna talk next episode probably about just 
what's coming up in the next year? Like, what are we? What are what are you doing for this year? What are you planning? What am I planning? What are other people planning? How are you making plans? Um, I've been doing quite a bit, and I'm planning on doing quite a bit more. But are my plans pipe dreams? Am I over planning? Am I under planning? Am I decide? Am I lying to myself and saying I'm going to do too much? Probably. Then we'll talk about that in our next episode. But until then, I do want to thank all of our sponsors, including the Patreon patrons. Um, you guys, as I say, uh, beginning and end of every show, you guys make this all happen and happen as smooth as I it can make it. Uh, so thank you all, especially our associate producers, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, AJC, Opie, and Big Jake, our executive producers, Colin Miller and Alex Graham, and our newest patrons or our returning and changing patrons, Jimmy Rowland and Dylan Foley. Thank you all for being part of the almost 1% who make this show and everything we do possible. And until next time, folks, Alex, you want to take it? You want to say, you want to do the closing tagline one time? Sure. Only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. Only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer and Alex, that's me, is at somekindageek30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at soundcloud.com slash Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garage Hammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance Forums. That's tga.community. Or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>